We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to another edition of the Dynasty Tradecast on Rotoviz Radio, on the Blue Wire Radio Network. Wow. I'm welcomed. <laughs> I'm welcomed. I'm joined and welcomed by the wonderful Dan Sanyo, blessing us with the, with the present, with uh, blessing Going? us. Blessing us with the presence on the birthday of one of his children. But then again, if he took off the birthday of his children, we just would never have a podcast because there's like 340 of them. It's true. I actually planned it that way. So I always had a reason to not be able to do something and I could get out of absolutely anything. So, yeah, my my oldest uh, my oldest turned eight today. So ha- happy birthday, Dominic. Uh, thank you for allowing me the extra half hour to spend a little time. With my good friend Nathan Powell. <laughs> All righty. So uh, I'm during my singing for some reason. Um, forgot to mention that week three is in the books. Week three is in the books. We are on to week four, as uh, Bill Belichick once said. Uh, we're on to Cincinnati, and so we're going to be recapping the big hashtag news of the week, the big dynasty takes that we can we can take out of the week three performances and how that we look to move forward. First, we have two of my favorite players in the NFL right now. We have the Chargers connection of Justin Herbert to Mike Williams. We're going to start off with Mike Williams here. Um, One member of this podcast has liked Mike Williams very much his entire career since he was like a middle schooler. And the other has made fun of his neck injuries for the last 10 years. The other has made fun of his neck injuries for the last 10 years. Um, I'm just going to say the uh, Chargers, Mike Williams, uh, the, the best of the Mike Williamses, eight catches for 82 and a touch, seven, seven catches for 91 and a touch, and seven catches for 122 and a touch versus the Kansas City 
Chiefs. Mike Williams is on fire. The only the only thing that's ever like stopped him in his career so far is a lack of volume. And eight plus seven, 22 catches in three games is bonkos, and I will take it every single day of the week. Give me that volume for one of the best pass catchers in the NFL, even though he didn't get that respect. Sure. So in in my defense over time, the the takes have always been that Mike Williams, A, really struggled to stay healthy. He's been mostly healthy over the last two-ish seasons now. But he was extraordinarily volatile. Like, uh, I mean, Will Fuller on steroids type volatility, even when healthy. So when you look back, obviously, rookie season, just kind of non-existent, right? Injury, whatever. Um, Sophomore season, not really used. But when he was used, it was essentially for 20-yard touchdowns. He had 40 catches, 10 of which were touchdowns. Maybe good signs of things to come. Year three, 90 targets, 1,000 yards, only caught 49 balls, almost no touchdowns, and his usage was essentially 25 yards downfield exclusively. They didn't allow him to work as an actual receiver. They just put him in a burner role and said, go get it. Last year, we got kind of a modified version of, of Mike Williams where they let, started to let him work as a wide receiver and still used him over the top a little bit. The the touchdowns bounced back a tiny, tiny bit. But this is a new version of Mike Williams that I'm going to blame entirely on Anthony Lynn at this stage. I'm going to go out on a limb and say Anthony Lynn held Mike Williams back. Mike, Mike Williams uh, was probably typecast as that guy because I, at Clemson, that's, that's kind of what he did. But he was overly impressive making acrobat catches over and over and over a la you know deandre hopkins and and guys like that guys who we've seen succeed this looks like a very different mike williams this doesn't look like just go run down the field and and try to 50 50 everything um this is a a wide receiver 1b only because of keenan allen version of mike williams so and the, the Chargers offensive coordinator came from New Orleans. And in like June, he said, Mike Williams is our Michael Thomas, which I'm sure plenty of tweets get went out saying, is this offensive coordinator on drugs? <laughs> um, but through three, through, through three games and games, through games and games, through three games, Mike Williams is looking like Michael Thomas. <laughs> yeah, it's it's strange. But I mean, he's looked... He's looked good in this role, a role that I would have assumed would be way more fit for Keenan Allen. And and Keenan Allen's still doing his thing. He's still getting the targets. He had a little bit of a slower game. Uh, it looked kind of like Kansas City was was maybe focused up more on, on taking him away. Um, but they worked a lot underneath with Keenan Allen uh, on, on Sunday here. He did still end up with eight catches, but only for 50 yards. So that kind of tells you what they were looking to do and, and kind of what Kansas city was giving them. Um, but Mike Williams, yeah, like we've talked about his, has really kind of turned a new leaf. If we want to call it that this is, this is what we've been chasing. Now, will we still get those deep passes peppered in? I would hope so. I would like to see 
some of that stretching the field. Just a, as long as he doesn't like go do the flipping thing that he does, where like right. D- do do we really need the eighteen feet vertical? Like, <laughs> no, we don't. We we don't need the chaos. We don't need the acrobats. It, it wouldn't be nice to see them stretch the field a bit with him. Um, I mean, he he is twenty seven, so maybe he's not got the spring chicken legs that he had at Clemson. Uh, but th- this. This is definitely different. This is an impressive Mike Williams, uh, a prime Mike Williams, if you will, now that he is 27. Uh, you know, again, going to kind of at the front end of that really what we would have expect from most elite wide receivers to be their best years. So I, I don't know necessarily that he'd be super easy to buy, but at the same time, his price has essentially always been pretty low and, and you've kind of been able to, to I mean, have it's, your it's, way with him. I mean, it's definitely higher today than it was three weeks ago. Like, oh, for there, sure. There, like, there are people who weren't Mike Williams fans at all who are now interested, uh, Dan. And then the people who are, were Mike Williams fans are like, now we're getting per, uh, you know hyperbolic and saying that he's Michael Thomas. So, <laughs> uh, just for fun, just for fun, um, looking at the uh, Rotavis traffic safety AP, which is not updated in season, obviously, because there's no startups. But he was being drafted around the middle of the 13th round. Here's some fun names that were uh, going before before Mike Williams. We have Amon Ross St. Brown, trash. Kadarius Tony, trash. Brandon Cooks, okay. Corey Davis, okay. Ruggs, okay. Landry, trash. Mooney, trash. Gallup, trash compared to Williams. There are plenty of guys that went ahead of Mike Williams that had no business going ahead of Mike Williams, especially with the young Justin Herbert at the helm. So we'll go, we'll transition to him. We talked about Kyler Murray being the, the Q, the locked in QB two behind Pat Mahomes. Justin Herbert is making his case for QB three in dynasty baseball with uh, a pair of 300 yard games to start the season. And then 281 and four touchdowns against the chiefs in week three. Have you been impressed with his season so far? Yeah. I mean, this is, this is looking like what we would expect Justin Herbert to look like. Obviously, had the massive, massive rookie season. And this is just continuation of that. You know, the first couple of weeks, uh, he threw a couple of picks and and really only got into the end zone once each game. And like we talked about before the show, we, we saw some of that positive regression. They find the end zone four times through the air against Kansas City. And I think it's just going to be a very consistent Justin Herbert. I think we're going to average that 40 to 45 attempts per game. And he should essentially always be over 300 yards. Now he hasn't had any uh, of these three games be massive, you know, monster blow up games where we see guys sometimes in shootouts go for 500 plus four to five touchdowns. But that's definitely, that's definitely in the cards. Uh, defense in, in LA still isn't quite where they want it to be, but it's, it's getting marginally better. So this um, this team is is suited for, I think, a lot of reasonably high scoring games. I know last week when they played the Cowboys, we expected that one to be kind of a shootout. Uh, and honestly, we would have expected this Kansas City game to be a little bit more of a shootout. Now, 54 total points isn't exactly low on the scoring spectrum, but uh, that very easily could have been in the 70 realm. So this um, this offense is going to be exciting, especially with Keenan Allen continuing to do what he does. Mike Williams becoming what Mike Williams has needed to be for the last five years. And obviously used to have Austin Eckler. Um, the, the rest of the offense is just 
is just solid. You know, the, the line has improved. We've only seen, I mean, Herbert's gotten sacked a few times, but only five through three games, which uh, if I remember correctly is a significant upgrade from last year. Uh, he had 32 throughout the season. So I guess maybe not a significant upgrade averaging about two a game. So uh, I, I know just last, last year, the, the offensive line didn't exactly look like it was ready to protect an elite quarterback. And I do think we need to put Justin Herbert uh, in that threshold of elite. I think he's definitely up there. Uh, we might need to start categorizing our, our quarterbacks by running quarterbacks and passing quarterbacks uh, as far as how to tier them. Because I think even Lamar Jackson as a limited passer is going to be closer to QB three than he would be on the other side of, you know, the Herbert, the Prescott, uh, even someone like Joe Burrow might sneak up in there, Russell Wilson. I think Lamar is still probably on the front side of that because of the rushing floor. Yeah, and that, that's certainly fair. Um, the it's 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 a weird concept that on a week to week basis, I feel like your the rushing increases your floor, but on a season long basis, if like the passing increases your floor, where you know, you have that safety of like, okay, okay, this guy's going to throw for 300 yards game as long as his team, you know, isn't winning by 100 after the first quarter. All right, let's move on to the Pittsburgh Steelers running back rookie Najee Harris. He had um, a stat line of 14 carries for 40 yards and zero touchdowns. So uh, why are we talking about a guy 40, 40, 40 rushing yards and zero touchdowns? No reason to talk about that guy, right? Well, there was another stat line, and I can't remember uh, exactly what it was in regards to. It might have been like punt returns or something. I don't know where targets come into play. 19 targets was pretty uh, – I think that was – I think that might be a little bit meaningful, Nathan. 19 targets, 14 catches, 102 yards. Ridiculous. Um, not a sustainable number, but I will say that if you would have asked me how – if you'd asked me before the season, how many uh, catches do you think Najee Harris is going to have for the season? And I'm, I would have said, like, I don't know, like 30 would be a nice number. And he got 27 through three games. Or no, no, sorry, 20 <laughs> through three games. 27 targets through three games. 20 catches through three games. A bit nuts. Um, I do think that – not. Uh, I don't think. I know Deontay Johnson was out. And so I think that they kind of were like, okay, he's our, you know, short over-the-middle guy. Now let's just turn turn all of our Deontay targets to Najee targets. Is is that what? what the, do you agree with that assumption? Uh, I, yeah. I mean, it, it like we would have hoped that would have been Juju, uh, Claypool, or Claypool, or yeah. well, I mean, Friar Muth, or I mean, Clay. It's not like Claypool didn't get targets. Claypool got fifteen targets on okay, Sunday. Yeah, he went nine for ninety six, which is less than impressive, but. Uh, I don't know if anyone's noticed. I'm pretty sure they have Ben Roethlisberger out there on marionette strings and somebody's just controlling him from the booth. He is horrendous. Like the worst quarterback I think I've ever seen. I think I'd rather have Brock Osweiler at this point. Yeah, uh, that would be the one negative out of, okay, like it's a very, very much a positive from a fancy outlook that he's getting these targets and these catches early on. But that Steelers offense and that Steelers team is so bad. Like <laughs> very bad. That's I, I like that Steelers team somehow beat the Bills in week one. That's gonna be like a weird one in the season. Like, hey, like the you know, five and twelve Steelers beat the, you know, twelve and five Bills. Like that's a weird one. 
but yeah, so out of this, I think it's a positive for Najee's long-term outlook that they're, you know, they're put, putting this passing outlook through him, but also not sustainable. They're going to still use their wide receivers. And uh, I think the ability between the tackles will hopefully improve. And I don't want to pass judgment. It's been three games of rookie play, but Najee has been, I mean, bad. The offense sucks, but Najee's been bad between the tackles. Um, That should get better, obviously, but this, this offense as a whole is just, it just really is disjointed. It's, it's overall bad. Ben being still alive for whatever reason is mostly the issue. But they they have the weapons for this offense to just be incredible, and it's being held entirely back by Ben Roethlisberger. So uh, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna I'm definitely not moving Najee down uh, because of his limited ability. It seems between the tackles, because I do think the future is still pretty bright for Najee Harris. Obviously, the they have him queued up and ready to go as their bell cow back. They said that from day one, and. If the targets even come somewhat close to remaining constant like this, uh, I mean, if you look at week two when he had five five catches on five targets for forty three yards, that's I mean that's nine point three PPR points plus he cut a touchdown. He doesn't even need to run the ball at that point. If he's only catching passes, uh, I mean he's he's going to survive just fine. So the floor here for Najee is all through the air. He'll find he'll find his legs. No pun intended. Uh, in the ground game, but we, uh, we need to continue to see these, these targets, obviously not 19, but if he can, if he can float between like five and eight, that'll be really impressive and will really hold his value up high. Now we'll move on to the story of the first three weeks of the season from a nice perspective. And that has been that the rookie QBs are hashtag bad. Not just one of them, not just, Oh, Justin Fields had a rough first start, not just Zach Wilson had like a four interception game. Every single one of them, outside of, I guess, Trey Lance, has been flat out bad. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, this was one of the points before the season we talked about was, I mean, well, you can start with Zach Wilson, who's been arguably the worst. Justin Fields wasn't good, but he only threw like 11 passes or whatever. Zach Wilson's been hideous. Doesn't have the targets that we'd like for a rookie quarterback to have. But, I mean, you still have Corey Davis. Uh, which should should take a little bit of, of the work. Uh, Braxton Berrios has been a, a body. Uh, Elijah Moore still exists. Obviously, they haven't had Jamison Crowder, but Zach Wilson is probably going to lead this team to a number one or a number two overall pick. And this was the team I had locked in, it, despite how bad Houston was on paper. Uh, a lot of wily vets in Houston that want to win. Not so much in New York, it seems. They uh, they seem pretty comfortable losing. Yeah, I I think that the most concerning, like Lawrence, like he's had some good, had some bad, but in general, seven interceptions in three games, generally bad. I didn't think we'd see this many mistakes early on from Lawrence. I did expect to see this many mistakes from, from Wilson, but that whole team has just been utter trash. So with, with Fields, with Fields, I'm most worried about Matt Nagy. I think that how they didn't get him in motion, how they didn't do any rollouts, 
they were just like, all right, we have Justin Fields. We're going to do seven step drops and let him get crushed by Miles Garrett five and a half times. So I think that from a extreme short-term perspective, I'm the most worried about Fields because of Nagy. And from a long-term perspective, I'm worried about Wilson because I did think he had the lowest floor coming in and he's showing that floor early on. I'm not saying I'm selling Zach, Zach Wilson shares for penny on the dollar, but I am less optimistic than I was three, three weeks ago. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm still a fan of Justin Fields, even though he he definitely didn't look like what we would hope Justin Fields looked like. Getting sacked nine times probably isn't a good sign of things to come. But like you said, that seemed like Matt Nagy was just dangling him out on his... Uh, he put that, that carrot on a stick and told the pigs to go eat. Uh, that was ridiculous. And... To be honest, you know, in the preseason, training camp, whatever, when all of this talk about Andy Dalton is our starter, Andy Dalton is our starter, this, 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 this. I mean, if that wasn't obvious that Matt Nagy doesn't want anything to do with Justin Fields, try to save his job, means that Matt Nagy had no say in them trading up to go get Justin Fields. That's not good. That's that's a bad sign. So whether it's the the entire front office, it's just the coaching staff. Maybe Justin Fields isn't as good as we thought he once was, but there's a lot of you know a lot of bad going on in Chicago right now. Uh, as far as Trevor Lawrence goes, one of the better prospects ever. Obviously, uh, I'm not overly concerned long term because we've still seen the really bright signs of true greatness. We've seen a lot of throws, um, some bad but a lot of throws where it's like, yeah, yeah, he's going to be just fine. We've seen exactly one of those throws from Zach Wilson. I've seen one throw all year that was like, that kind of looked a little bit like an NFL quarterback. Everything else has just looked like deer, a deer in headlights. So um, Trey Lance, uh, TBD, we can't really, we can't really pass any sort of judgment there. Mac Jones has kind of had his moments similar to, to Trevor Lawrence. I think Mac uh, was arguably at the highest floor right there with Lawrence coming in. And he's kind of proven that he, he hasn't necessarily been a slouch in any of the games, but he's made some rookie mistakes. That's going to happen. And he's done it with arguably fewer weapons than, than Zach Wilson has. Uh, I mean, he has Nelson Aguilar and John U. Smith and Hunter Henry to throw to uh, not exactly a plethora of targets available there. So this is well, I mean, once what once looked like a really fun, promising rookie quarterback class has pretty quickly become, we might only have one or two of these guys in a few years. So if, if I had to put my money on it, I would oddly enough, I mean, this wouldn't have been my bet a month ago. Oddly enough, my my money would be on one Trevor Lawrence, obviously, but two Mac Jones. I, I think those are the two that Mac stick. Jones are the the Mac Jones that had an AYA of three point oh four yesterday. Three point oh four. Yeah. I, I'm not sure I've seen a lower AYA than that. I mean, I'm sure it's existed, but like that is the like what like you Ladanian. Ladanian Tomlinson has a higher AYA than, than Mac Jones did in week three. <laughs> if you want to see AYAs that low, just watch Jalen Hurts every week and you'll be you'll be impressed. Um, yeah, but like look at New Orleans, what they did to Aaron Rodgers week one. 
Um, that's a team that when they focus on something and, and actually try, they have the ability to, to just shut teams down and they're not even healthy uh, or fully healthy. I should say they, they just did that exact same thing to Aaron Rodgers. They do it to a much easier target in Mac Jones. So I'm not overly concerned about that. Uh, what we saw in week one against a, a pretty decent defense in Miami, Mac Jones looked pretty darn good, uh, was surprisingly underwhelming uh, against the Jets, but that was in New York. It was his first road game as an NFL player against a heated rival. So, I, I mean, I kind of get it. I think it's, I, I think we're legit at the bottom. I, I, I think we only see him get better from here. Since you're talking about the Saints and how well they played in week one and week three, I will transition before after this ad, I will talk about another player who has played the Saints this year. Hey, Rotoviz Radio listener. This is Curtis Patrick from the Dynasty Command Center podcast, and I've got a special deal for you today. Go to rotoviz.com, click the subscribe button, put the 12 month subscription in your cart and use promo code RV radio 2021. That's RV radio 2021. And you're going to save 10%. Taking advantage of this deal, getting your hands on what's included in the package is the best way to enhance your performance this year. So go to rotoviz.com and subscribe now. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash Blue Wire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash Blue Wire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. 
That's right, folks. You guessed it before the ad. I'm talking about Sammy D, and the D is for delicious. Samuel <laughs> Samuel Darnold. Samuel Darnold has rid himself of the Adam Gase curse. He is a new man. He has DJ Moore. He has um, what's the other face? Um, he has Robbie Anderson, who has been he, bad. Robbie Anderson, who might have been bad. And Terrace he has Marshall's Terrace Marshall Jr. He doesn't have Dan Arnold anymore. Breaking news, the Sam Darnold to Dan Arnold, it's over. Um, Dan Arnold is a Jaguar. But Sam Darnold has been very good, both fantasy and real life, so far this season. Um, put, put, he hasn't another, been very good. He hasn't been uh, very good. Calm down. Daniel, Daniel, AYA of 8.5. Oh, stop it with your AYA. 8.94. He's got... Three touchdowns, only one interception. He's averaging about 300 yard passing yards a game. What more do you want from the guy? Like, he's just putting up numbers. He's got good wide receivers. He's got three rushing touchdowns. Konami code out your butt. Sam Darnold, he's going to be like a QB1 by the end of the season. Played the Jets week one. And Played the vaunted Saints who can't possibly be stopped. Hold on. If you recall the previous conversation where I said the Saints will stop whoever they want to stop, whoever they scheme to stop, the Saints very clearly attempted to scheme against and only against Christian McCaffrey that game. And that still, you know, it it was what it was. And Darnold still only threw for just a smidge over 300, two touchdowns. He threw for zero touchdowns against that really good Houston Texans defense and only one against that stout Jets defense. This is, I would have guessed, if any of these, he would have had the interception against New Orleans, obviously, with no touchdown throws. He should have had two or three against the Jets. He should have had 17 against the Texans. This is a cupcake start. He still has looked extremely mediocre in my eyes, but he doesn't look bad the way he did with Adam Gase. I will give him that. He looks serviceable he does not look good i just flat out disagree uh have you watched him or are you just looking at the box scores i i I don't watch football exactly Um. (laughs) he hasn't he 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 has looked serviceable he i like he's making fine throws he's he's throwing okay timing but he's not impressive like even in the least all right back to more scheduled football watching brandon ayuk he's back he played on the field um, which he did not do in the first two weeks. Uh, he didn't have a huge game, but he, you know, did enough to show that he's, you know, maybe out of the proverbial doghouse. He didn't get outsnapped by Trent Sherfield, whoever that is. <laughs> so the biggest, like, fantasy news of this was the snap count more so than the yards and, and, and the touchdown. Um, so what are your thoughts on Ayuk being hashtag back? Yeah, I mean, I was, it was a little bit worrisome those the first two weeks, right? When, I mean, he just, really wasn't playing. It sounded like he was in the doghouse, but he was also hurt. So it was like, are we supposed to trust Shanahan in that he's in the doghouse or that he's hurt? We don't really know what this is. I'm going to just go on on a limb and say he's probably still not 100% uh, and wasn't 100%. And maybe the doghouse, quote unquote, was in terms of just not getting himself physically prepared for the season. Uh which I think would be closer to to realistic than him being full on injured. So, uh, yeah, it was it was promising for for him obviously to actually be out there 
playing. We, we prefer that. Uh, still would like to see more than six targets, even though a target from Jimmy Garoppolo uh, is not exactly quality. But we found the end zone. Um, they're still going to continue to use him in the rushing game, even though if it's, you know, whatever, a carry or two each game. I mean, that's probably a free point or two. Obviously, working opposite Debo Samuel as well. One of those guys should almost always be open. And you have George Kittle at tight end, who defenses have pretty much just said, we're going to take Kittle away. Make those guys beat us. Make Jimmy throw the ball outside the numbers. And um, it's kind of worked a little bit. Kittle has been, I mean, non-existent. I don't even think he's a top 25 tight end at this point in fantasy scoring. Uh and, and yeah, so th- this for Ayuk is, is nice to see him kind of, uh, as you put it, hashtag back. I don't really think this is hashtag back quite yet, but finding the end zone is a good start. Uh, I want to see double digit targets. I want to see six to eight catches. And I, I want to see those those yardage numbers getting up into that hundred range before we say he's hashtag back. All right, for our final segment of the evening, I'm just going to read a stat line for you and I'm going to ask a, a very simple question. Um, we have four catches for 31, five catches for 73, and two catches for 35. Do you think that is indicative of the greatest prospect to ever live, worth the 101? Uh, you know, you should sacrifice all of your children for him. Do you think that, in the form of Kyle Pitts, is worth the preseason hype three weeks into his NFL career? According to my Twitter tw- t- uh, timeline, yes, Twitter because, <laughs> because tight ends are OP when they get targets, uh, and you're you're you know at this point we're chasing five and a half points from our overpriced tight end one in in dynasty. So uh, I yeah I mean again it's it's a rookie he's made a couple of plays where it was like that's why we hyped up Kyle Pitts. Matt Ryan is a dead body. Uh, much like Ben LaRoethlisberger, much like Drew Brees at the end of his career. We talked, I, I tweeted about this. This was part of my my uh, Dynasty recap thread. Atlanta is all the way, like, if you want to hold pits, I'm not going to say a word about it because this is still one of the potential greatest prospects of all time, especially when you consider positional scarcity. But you have Kyle Pitts, who is being drafted in the second round, which is absurd. But, I mean, Travis Kelsey has lived there for the last few years, so I get it. And Calvin Ridley, who's also going in those same amount of picks. And a quarterback that has no arm. His, someone removed his eyes, apparently. Cut off one of his legs. Like, it, you are going to be struggling more than likely for the next two years for any sort of production. And you could move uh, just purely value. Like, I get that we all want Kyle Pitts, right? He's potentially generational. That's not the point. The point is you have absolutely free value staring you in the face. You can go get whatever the hell else you want. And then in two years, after Matt Ryan retires and Kyle Pitts is now being drafted in the fifth round, you can go buy him for fifth round prices. Sold at top 15, 20 prices by later. That's that's all I, I have to say really in regards to Pitts because it's still three games as a tight end. I just, there's no way you can sink that much value in a roster at the tight end position. I get positional scarcity. I understand the whole thing. It's not worth it. Tight ends suck. 
trade him for a pile of wide receivers and continue to build your dynasty the right way through the wide receivers. Here's the, here's the, I know, I know your answer. How many, let's say you send this offer 10 times. How many times is it clicked except you send an offer of your pits for someone's chase? How many times out of 10 is that getting accepted today? Uh, after this week, zero times. Before this week, every time. I'm not. I'm wait, not. Wait, even, I'm not being hyperbolic. Chase's game this week was that was that. We you know a couple weeks ago we talked about Chase. Oh, it was a breakout game. Whatever. This week was Jamar Chase's breakout game. Absolutely, 100%. This is the difference maker and why Chase will now move up and continue to rise in those dynasty rankings kind of the same way that like CD lamb started to do it last year. So a week ago, I, I would have said zero people would have traded for, for Jamar chase in that situation this week. I think everybody, maybe, maybe one out of 10 keeps pits there and doesn't take chase. Yeah. Looking at his stat line so far, five, 151, one, two, one and four sixty five two for Jamar chase. I, I was taking Jamar Chase before the season. I, I'm taking him now. I've, I've talked about all offseason about the, the tier of Metcalf, A.J. Brown, Lamb, and Jefferson. And I think Chase is firmly in that tier now. Might be an overreaction, but he's got Joe Burrow. He was an elite prospect. He got picked, uh, you know, fifth overall, sixth overall, fifth, fifth overall. Yeah, fifth overall. So, yeah, in that grouping of elite young wide receivers, Jamar Chase is. And honestly, I think that him and Jefferson have have the highest ceiling now of the of that of that top five. Yeah, I mean, I my, you know how I feel about Justin Jefferson. And I was always on board with Chase over Pitts, too. My my statement always was I'm not going to call you out for taking Pitts 101. He's absolutely worthy of it. It's one of those things where. It's just impossible to pass on. Um, I just found significantly higher ceiling in Jamar Chase. And I build roster, Nathan, we build rosters very, very similarly as, as far as usually, in most cases, building through wide receiver, get that high upside, uh, you know, potential stud wide receivers, build a core of those and work off of that. Um that's yeah. Uh, and that's pretty much what we have in Jamar chase. Obviously um, I, I think the big thing for Cincinnati, if we want to look at it, a broader spectrum is you probably should go by Joe Burrow because once T Higgins is healthy, you still have Tyler Boyd. Obviously Jamar chase has been great. Joe Mixon has been better, uh, but Joe Burrow hasn't really seen a boost in price and he's weapons galore. Now he, he has arguably the best weapons in the league. Uh, you know, you, you saw Boyd this week do his thing. We, we all knew what he could do. He's, he's not the exciting option in Cincinnati, but he's going to score points at least for the, through this year. And, you know, once T Higgins is healthy, you, you have realistically two potential wide receiver ones in an offense. There's, there's precedent for it. Is, is it super, super possible? Maybe not, but we've seen it, you know, Justin Jefferson, Adam Thielen, Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, probably you can argue that chase and Higgins is a better combination than either of those. Uh, this potentially could go down in the books as one of the best wide receiver duos in history uh, up there, you know, with, with Moss and Chris Carter. 
that that's the potential we have here because Jamar Chase really has he's got that upside. It, it could get crazy here. All righty, that should wrap us up for this evening. Um, also, all of that conversation, we were not saying sell cow pits. Do not sell cow pits. Not at all. And, unless you can get Jamar Chase in exchange. <laughs> yeah, um, if you can sell for top 15 or 20, like, absolutely. I, I'm still making that trade all day, every day. But I'm not going to fault you for holding him because, again, it's Kyle Pitts. Yep, that should wrap us up for this evening. We'll talk to you guys next week. Good luck in week four. Week four. Kadoosh!